Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Park Lawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. I want to um, let you all know that this is a very significant season that we're in as a church. Here we are in 2019, but this church has its roots all the way back to 1909. So we're actually in the 110th year of ministry in Milwaukee. Isn't that amazing? 110 years of ministry. It's a testimony to, uh, to those pioneers uh, who established this church and who helped finance and helped support the work and ministry and programs of the church. I'm sure they had no idea that we'd be in this location where we are right now. We'd be uh, made up of this population of people, that we'd have this kind of impact that we have within our city. But it's also a testimony of what is going to happen long after you and I are gone on to be with the Lord in heaven. And that, that ought to excite you. Amen. It's not over when you expire. One of the reasons that we call Aspire that name on Wednesday night is because we want to inspire people to aspire before they expire. We want you to make a difference while you're still here and put some seed in the ground so even after you're not here, it's still having a reciprocating effect and blessing generations to come. I want to share with you some of the, just some of the photos as we talk about the 110th year of this church existence. Back in the early 1900s, there was a Pentecostal movement and a missionary movement across America and across the world. And uh, one of the pioneers, his name was Cyrus Fockler. Uh, he ministered in Africa, but he also, uh, he came to the Zion, Illinois, the Waukegan, Illinois area. Uh, he's the gentleman with the bow tie sitting down in the front on, the, on my right, on the far right. He was, this is a picture of the eight gentlemen who founded the Assemblies of God in 1914. But he was also the pioneer that was responsible for churches like Park Lawn being established in the Milwaukee area. The Assemblies of God um, has a great history. It was started by uh, these pastors who came together with a desire to create a missionary movement, the greatest missionary movement that the world had ever seen. 
And they brought their churches together in cooperation to do that. But one of the sad tragedies of our history is that many of these churches and many of these leaders, they broke away from Bishop Charles Harrison Mason, who was the founder of the Church of God in Christ. It's a picture of Bishop Mason, which is uh, another large Pentecostal fellowship in America and in the world. Bishop Mason was ordaining uh, many of not only black but also white preachers at the time. And uh, so the Assemblies of God was started uh, to parallel the work of the Church of God in Christ. Uh, and we have to just be real and know that one of the reasons that that happened was because of the racial residue that still permeates our society. It, it's still very much alive. It was even seen uh, years later when uh, God chose to use another Pentecostal pioneer by the name of Bishop William Seymour. That's Bishop Seymour. He was, uh, he was blind in one eye. Uh, he went to a Bible school in Topeka, Kansas, where he experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, he was not allowed to go into the classroom with the other students. But refusing to be deterred, he sat in the hallway during the classes because he wanted to experience everything that God had for him. And because of that fire that he would not allow to be extinguished, uh, he would then went to Los Angeles, California, and was responsible for leading a revival, one of the greatest revivals in the history of our nation called the Azusa Street Revival in Los Angeles, California. The waves of that revival brought together people from every nation and all colors of the spectrum to Los Angeles. It was like heaven on earth. But the tragedy is that when they went back to their locales and the places of their hometown, they then were immersed back again into a society that endorsed Jim Crow laws and racism. And the church tragically allowed the culture to extinguish the fire of the love of God. There's another picture I want to show you. It was back in the 1990s that the Pentecostal church leaders recognized this sin of racism and this sin of partiality. And so there was a conference that was held uh, and uh, there were leaders who came together from the Church of God in Christ and leaders from the Assemblies of God. Uh, the Caucasian gentleman, he preached here several years ago, Dr. George Wood, who's our former general superintendent, and that's the current bishop next to him in the middle, Bishop um, Charles Blake from the Church of God in Christ. They had a movement, and it was a reconciliation, a repentance. I share that history with you all because I, wanted, I want you all to know that Park Lawn didn't just happen. It didn't just happen. It's not going away tomorrow. Uh, it's not going to cease to exist if Bishop Harvey is no longer the pastor. <laughs> it's not going to stop if you don't show up. It's bigger than all of us. It's something that's been born in the heart and the mind and the purpose and plan of God. And it humbles me to know that I get a part in it and you get a part in it too. Amen. Come on, we're part of a team. We're part of God's dream team. And everybody has a role to play in it. And Milwaukee, Milwaukee is on God's mind. Milwaukee is, is a city of destiny. 
I, I've realized uh, for a number of years, Milwaukee is the city of destiny. Even Ray Charles can see that, right? Stevie Wonder can see Milwaukee is the city of destiny. You remember when school choice started? It started in Milwaukee. It was pioneered by one of our former members, Polly Williams, who's gone home to be with the Lord. Milwaukee has been a city of first. And tragically, we're first in a number of categories that we, we shouldn't be too proud about. You know, at the top in poverty, at the top of black male unemployment, at the top of infant mortality, at the top of black male incarceration. We are a city of destiny. We are on God's map. You see that map right there? It's as if, as if heaven is looking at the world and saying, you know what, angels, be on assignment right there in Milwaukee. Be on assignment in Milwaukee because I got a people there. I got a church there, not just Park Lawn, but the Big C Church that I'm shaking and I'm awakening and I'm positioning and I'm, and I, and I'm waiting that for them to bind on earth what I've already bound in heaven. I'm waiting for them to loose on the earth what I've already loosed in heaven. And so every time, every Sunday when we come together and we, and we say Park Lawn exists to bring light to the world, by fulfilling the Great Commission, we give life. And by fulfilling the Great Commandment, we demonstrate love, light, life, and love. We're not just rehearsing something just to be in order. We are decreeing and we are declaring something. And the angels in heaven then take those words and they bring uh, the resources and bring about the manifestation of it. And so God has been, and he is still today, he's exalted this church. He's exalted this church in this city. He's exalted this church in this region. He's exalted this church in the nation and in the world. And it's not, it's not for show, it's not for applaud of man. It is for the purposes of God that we are here like Esther for such a time as this. That we have been positioned not to show off, but we've been positioned to lead. Amen. We've been positioned and graced to serve, to be a light in the midst of darkness. Here's, here's a few statistics just in terms of the, the context, because I want you all to see big picture, and then we're gonna we're gonna come locally in a moment. In the assemblies of God, in the assemblies of God, it's the largest Pentecostal fellowship of churches. In the world, 67 million adherents worldwide. But in the U.S., there are, there are 3 million 214, let's say 315 million adherents. That was in 2017. 3.2 million in the U.S. The population of that is 56% white, 1.8 million, 23.2% Hispanic. About 744,297,000. 10.3% black, about 330,780,000. That was in 2017. And about 1.4% Native American. And then the other percentages represent other ethnicities. That, that collectively, those 3.2 million are represented by over 12,800 churches of which 242 identify as black in the USA. But something happened 
that further catapulted Park Lawn into a national spotlight in a position of elevation. In Octo on October 1st of last year, just over 90 days ago, I was elected as the president of the National Black Fellowship of the Assemblies of God. Here's a picture showing the baton that was passed from the, from the former president to myself, Michael Nelson, who pastors the church in Jacksonville, Florida. But I know that, and I've been a part of the fellowship since I've been at Park Lawn, been the vice president for the last six years, and I've always known that God has graced me for leadership here at this church, but also on a national level. And so, no, this is not a goodbye speech, so go ahead and just, just, just relax, all right? It sounded like, oh, he getting ready to leave. But he's graced me to be a champion of reconciliation and of biblical justice and a holistic approach to ministry. So it doesn't mean that I'm leaving Park Lawn, but it does mean I have to shift some responsibilities in my life so that I could uh, provide the leadership that this organization and that the nation is calling for right now. And so there's some, several things that I had to step away from. Uh, if you were at the Milwaukee Declaration, Dr. King celebration uh, last week, uh, you saw another baton being passed from me as the former president to the new president, Pastor Kurt Owens of Epicos Church. And the Park Lawn is still very much involved. I helped to found that organization with Pastor Matt Erickson. And our pastors and our members are still part of the leadership. Pastor Jay is the secretary of that organization. But I had to step away from that. I also stepped away as the president of the Outpouring Ministry Network and continue to relate to those pastors as an apostolic father. But in terms of administration and um, coordinated leadership, I couldn't do that and what God is calling me to. I only serve the interests here at Park Lawn. I serve on the board of the Church Multiplication Network and I serve as the CEO and president of Prism Economic Development Corporation and now as the National Black Fellowship. So as president, my main responsibilities include planting new churches in America, and particularly in urban America, and revitalizing and resourcing existing churches in some of the toughest cities in America, partnering with religious and corporate and social and governmental leaders and organizations that are committed to restoring families, transforming communities through spiritual, social, and economic development and also to address racial disparities by applying biblical justice and making sure that we are engaging with the next generation of leadership so that when we're, it's our time to leave, they're already equipped and the baton is already firmly in their hand. My term started in October and I'm fulfilling a two-year term of the uh, former president, so that term will end in 2020 at our annual conf biannual conference, which will be held in Chicago, Illinois, just 90 miles away, y'all. So mark that on your calendar, July 20th through 22nd, 2020. We going to Chicago for vacation. <laughs> a three-day conference. I'm up for election. Y'all know what that means. I need some votes. I want Park Lawn to be present there.
But no, really, the reason that we're going to Chicago is another reason is I felt like we could not not be in Chicago. We had to go to Chicago. In fact, we're launching an initiative called Reach 25 in which we are targeting the toughest 25 cities for black Americans in the USA and seeking to transform those cities and communities and restore families and apply biblical justice and raise up emerging leaders. Everything that we've been doing right here at Park Lawn. And you know what? Milwaukee's at the top of the list. So it only seems right that God says, you know what? Y'all making it happen. You're listening and the power of the Holy Spirit is free to work. So go ahead and do that in 25 more cities and multiply it. 2019 is declared as a year of community. I want to just share with you some thoughts from God's word. That if we're going to be a church that's committed to ministry in the community, it really means, and I borrow some words from the late Eugene Peterson, who was the author of the Message Bible, which is a translation, an English translation of the Bible. I'm sorry, I should say an interpretation of the Bible. Community ministry is long obedience in God's direction. It's long obedience. You don't just show up today and don't show up next week and call it community ministry. We can't go to towns and next week and not be there when they open up in the fall. It's long obedience in God's direction. Let me tell you what community ministry is not. Community ministry is not about titles. It's not about titles. I'm going I'm to just give, give my European-American brothers and sisters just a little insight into my folk. We're into titles. <laughs> We're into titles. You, you can be called Doc and you ain't, ever, you ain't graduated high school. We're in the titles. But com com community ministry is not about titles, it's about towels. When I go to towns and it's not, it, I don't expect the kids to call me bishop. They, you know, you didn't call me bishop. Go back out and come in again and call me bishop. No, it's not about titles. It's about towels. It's about serving and washing feet like Jesus. Community ministry it's not about coming to church services. It's not about getting people to come in here. This is good, but the ministry is out there. This is to equip and to inspire and to build you up and to give you a sense of encouragement, bandage you up a little bit, pray for you, now go back out there and do some more ministry. It's not about getting people to come here for services. One of the, the weaknesses and tragedies of the church is that we've been saying, hey, come to our services, services, services. But the community out there is saying, no, not services, serve us. Serve us. We, hey, come to our services. I say, no, come serve us. Come to our services. No, come serve us. The issues that are facing the cities of America, including Milwaukee, they're so rapid. I, you, I can go down the list. 
that it's going to require the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As Paul said, I'm not ashamed of it because it's the power of God unto salvation. But the gospel, the good news, is not just to save the soul, but it's to redeem the mind, it's to heal the body, it's to educate people, it's to house and feed and, and to employ. So if we're going to reach people in our community, we've got to have these things. There's a scripture in Jeremiah chapter 29 I want to call your attention to that will be a foundational scripture in this year of community. Verse 4, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those that I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. The Lord said, seek the peace of the city where I have sent you into exile. Here's another key, and I wish I, wish I had some preachers in here, but I'm just going to speak to all of us as the people of God. I'm going to give you a, a couple of commandments of community ministry. Thou shall not, number one, thou shall not pimp the city. Thou shall not pimp the city. What does that mean, pimp the city? Well, pimps are interested in two things from the women or the men that work for them. Number one, they're seeking profits, and number two, they're seeking pleasure. And community ministry is not about you getting paid. It's, it's going to cost you something. <laughs> and it's not about your pleasure. It's not about your ego. I wish I had more time, but I won't. I'll leave that alone right there. The Lord gave me this revelation back in 2016 when we were deeply involved in the riots and the recovery of Sherman Park. And the Lord showed me, he said, listen, if you will pastor the city, I'll pastor your church. <laughs> if you will seek the prosperity of the city, I'll take care of the church. I'll cause the church to prosper. You cause the city to prosper. That's a mentality that most pastors don't have, don't have a clue about. So the Lord said, pray for the city. Pray for the, for the prosperity of the city. Here's another commandment. Thou shall put down roots in the city. That's what the Lord said. Thou shall put down roots in the city. He told them, he said, I want you to build houses. Build houses in this place that I'm carrying you away into Babylon. And before I talk about build houses, let me put a... Uh, semicolon right there. You remember last week we were talking about Naaman finding freedom and this young servant girl who was taken captive from Israel was brought into Syria and was working in Naaman's house for his wife. 
Well, that's literally a picture of what God did for the nation of Israel. He carried them away captive into Babylon. So we're in this place called Milwaukee. As I said last week, we're not buried here. We are planted here. We have been divinely planted here by God. When you're buried, you're dead. There's nothing coming up. But when you're planted, God is expecting there to be life and light and love. He is expecting there to be fruit. So let me continue. He says, build houses. That speaks about ownership. This city belongs to us, y'all. We own this city. We don't need permission from the mayor or the county executive. We don't need the state legislator say, Park Lawn, y'all can do this. Listen, whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. We own the city. Build houses is different than renting. Nothing against renting if that's what you want to do, but you don't own it. You got to get permission to do what you want to do. I want to paint the walls. Well, let me call the landlord up. What color are you going to paint? No, you can't paint it. But when you own the house, you want to paint the walls black, you can paint them black. And the Lord said, I want you to have an attitude and a mentality of ownership in the city. He said, plant gardens and eat their fruit. If you're going to eat some fruit, that means that you've got to plant some seed a while before that. And then you've got to wait for the harvest. You've got to water the soil. You've got to pull up the weeds. You've got to cultivate it. Little Larry, come on, we going, in, we going up in there in Townsend. Don't you expect Larry to be an angel in a week? Just because you showed up two days, two hours? You've got to plant that seed. You, you want to eat the fruit? You've got to keep on watering it putting it in the right environment. It's long obedience in God's direction. That's the process of discipleship. We are here to stay. We're, we're, we got to be committed to this thing. The year of community is, a, is about being committed. He said... Take wives, have sons and have daughters. Let your sons and daughters get married and let them have children. He's really saying, listen, we are called to be a generational ministry. A, a multi-intergenerational ministry. God is into genealogies. 70 years from now, they might not know our names, but they'll know we were here. <laughs> he said, take wives. You think, you think building houses speaks about ownership. Take wives speaks about permanence. See, wives are different than girlfriends. Nothing against girlfriends, but hey, he put no ring on it yet. You still a girlfriend. We put a ring on it. Now you belong to me and I belong to you. Speaks about permanence. Have an attitude of permanence. Have an, had an attitude of commitment to death do us part. He says seek the peace of the city. And the reason that we're declaring this is a year of community is that we have a strategy. We have a strategy to transform this city block by block. House by house. Neighborhood by neighborhood. Let me take you to, the, to verse 8. 
of Jeremiah. Most of us are familiar with, we love to read Jeremiah 29, verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Y'all know that? Whoo, we shout about that. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. But we don't go back to verse 4 and say, God sends you to be a captive in this city. And I want you to have this attitude, and while you're at it, know that I've got plans for you to prosper you. But in verse 8, he says, yet this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Don't let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Don't listen to the dreams you, you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies. I just put those two together. They're prophesying to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. God has a plan for this city, y'all. He's got a plan for this church. It's a church of destiny. And I've got a dream. 70 years from now, I wish I had some folk who would just dream with me. Just close your eyes right now. Close your eyes right now. We're entering into a moment of prayer. We're entering into a moment of declaration. We're entering into a moment right now where we're going to begin to shape the future of this city. It's not simply going to happen by the laws that are written downtown, but it's going to happen when the people of God align their hearts with the will of God in heaven. But it's going to require some endurance on our part. It's going to require some desperation on our part. It's going to require that we begin to pray with an expectation. It's going to require that we begin to live with a sense of commitment. And 70 years from now, imagine. Imagine what this city could be. Imagine the school system. Imagine the school system turned around. Oh, God. Oh, God. We decree right now that the school system, Lord, is turning around that the lives of these babies is being transformed right now, God. That what Satan meant for evil, God, you're working out for good, Lord. Imagine the foster care system being empty because families have been restored. God, we speak life over families right now, God. We speak life over the children that are in the foster care system, God. We speak life over the juvenile justice system and juveniles that are incarcerated, Lord God, that are on this pipeline to prison. Lord, we dry up the pipeline to prison in the name of Jesus. We decree that it must stop. We bind it right now in the name of Jesus, right here in Milwaukee. In Milwaukee. Thank you, Lord. God, we're seeking the peace and the prosperity of our city, Lord. God, we pray over our young people right now, God. Young people that are looking for hope. Young people that are looking for attention. Young people that are looking for outlets, recreation. They're looking for affirmation and acceptance. Young people who are hurting, whose hearts are broken, 
because the father is dead or the father is incarcerated or they've been traumatized or they've been witnesses to trauma all their life, God. We speak over their minds and over their souls. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Oh God, and give us opportunities. Give us open doors. Give us space. Give us time. Give us favor, Lord, to be in the presence where we can speak a word of hope and speak a word of healing and lay hands upon the sick as you said we would in Mark 16, 15, and they shall recover. Jesus, we speak life over this younger generation. We decree that they will live and not die and they will declare the works of the Lord. They're not a lost generation. They've never been lost to you, God. You've just been looking for an intercessor. You've been looking for people who would go out and who would make up the hedge and who would leave the 99 and who would take on the spirit of the Father, the good shepherd. Seek the one who strayed away. Seek the one who was dropped through no fault of their own. God, we call forth for prodigal sons and daughters to come back to themselves. We read in Luke 15 that when he came to himself, God, we speak a spirit right now that would stir up this younger generation so they would come to themselves, God. Arrest their hearts, arrest their minds, arrest their attentions, God, through the power of love. God, we rebuke fear. But you've not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a sound mind, God. And we release this Holy Spirit right now upon our younger generation, Lord. Oh, God, we pray that you would shake and you would awaken your church, God. That you would forgive us, Lord, for praying prayers that would just consume our own lust, oh, God. Forgive us, Lord, for desiring comfort, self-preservation more than your will, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for chasing the bag, chasing money, God, not being God chasers. Lord, let that younger generation see a pursuit of you and us, see us sold out, totally consecrated, totally committed, moving in signs and wonders and miracles to such a degree, Lord, that even the video games that captivate their minds, that they would lose interest in them and they would say, I've got to have the power of God. Oh, God, stir and awaken your church right now, Father. Give us a new theology of the city, Lord, to begin to see that this is a holy place, that this is holy ground. It's not a forsaken place. It's not a place that we need to try to seek to flee from, God. But, but God, we've been planted here. Thank you, Father, for favor in this city. God, we pray even for the Sherman Park community, Lord, for the Sherman Park neighborhood. We pray for District 7 right now, God. We thank you. We thank you that there were no homicides there were no fatal homicides in the first three weeks of this month, God. And even though there were shootings, oh God, we thank you that no life was lost, oh God. Father, we pray for a release of the angels of heaven according to Psalm 91. 
We decree and declare that this is holy ground, that you are our refuge, that you are our fortress, that you are very present help in times of trouble, O oh God. You are our strength. You are our shield. You are our mighty buckler. And begin to release the forces of heaven against the powers and principalities of darkness over District 7 right now from Sherman Boulevard, O oh God, uh, 35th Street to to Congress and Stark, oh God, from 41st and 36th to Hadley and Burley and Vienna to Hope and Cortland and Lancaster, God. We pray against the spirit of the enemy to, that wants to steal, to kill and destroy. We bind him up right now, Lord, and I thank you, Father, that the enemy is confounded and confused as you did for Jehoshaphat when he sent forth the worshipers and the praise of God went forth. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. That the enemy began to be confused. And right now, God, confuse the enemy, Lord. Bind the hand of the enemy. Cause his weapons to misfire. Cause his weapons, oh, to be of none effect. You said in Isaiah that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, oh God. And every tongue that rises up against us shall fall. So cause the enemy to fall right now. Cause his weapons to be stripped of any power. Cause his plans to be destroyed and exposed right now, God. Father, we pray for the National Black Fellowship, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you have called it for such a time as this. That you have united Park Lawn in heart, and spirit, and resource with the National Black Fellowship, God. Oh, Lord, we pray for the 25 worst cities in America for black Americans, God. And God, we thank you for the privilege of laboring with you lord taking your yoke upon us which is easy and your burden which is light god god we are not daunted by the task oh god we are not overwhelmed by the season oh god for we declare that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world we declare that more are they that are with us than are with them oh god we declare that the enemy is defeated that one of us can put a thousand to flight and two of us can chase 10,000. How much more can thousands and over 200 churches put to flight the principalities of darkness? Raise and waken this church, I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.